This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen, who thinks the inside of the brand new Genesis G80 looks like, what did you say, a 1970s old person orange car? No. Well, what did you call it? I think it? you something, exaggerated. It was a teen. It was something similar to that. I just said, I'm not real keen on this caramel leather look. Okay. It's very I, I'm 70s. pretty sure. Oh, 70s. Yeah, yeah. I knew 70s. 70s had come out of your mouth yeah. at some point. Yeah. I said, yeah, then you can. Wait, sh- are you, were you alive in the 70s? Yes. Only by a few years. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember <laughs> the 70s? Not really. No. No. But you remember the Lawrence Welk show? That came up in the conversation <laughs> this morning. Yeah. That's Which I actually don't remember, that, to yeah. be honest with you. Like, I remember walking past TVs and having it on and then shuddering at the uh, polyester flares. It was in, it was a joke that pastel. was on Facebook, and I laughed because um, my grandmother used to watch that. Right. Yeah. This car doesn't feel like that to me on the inside. It doesn't feel like the Lawrence Welk show. No, it doesn't. No. Uh, I have the new G80, which is brand new from Genesis. And I actually like 90% 90 of it. Um, I'm not sure about the engine yet. I have to put it through its paces a little more. I did change the drive mode on the way here, put it into the sport mode. It was a lot more dynamic. Yes, you did. (laughs) That is Gen (laughs) translation for you. Threw me back in my seat and peed me off. Um, no. <laughs> that's the translation. No. I'm just, I'm helping the audience oh, here. Okay. I'm helping the audience explaining <laughs> what you actually really mean. Mm. Uh, so, yes, I did find the driver. And the steering's a little different. I have to get used to it a little bit. So, anyway, that's what happened on the work on, on the way to work today, yeah. uh, on the way to the radio station. I, I want to take some time out, by the way, and welcome. Uh, we have uh, a new radio station joining us. I know. Isn't that exciting? Uh, AM880, KX, uh, KIXI in Seattle. Yay! You guys are awesome. We're really glad to be a part of the station. Um, We're 20 stations strong now. It's awesome. This is our two-hour radio show. We're on about 1,200-and-something stations with our uh, daily morning daily updates. Uh, But uh, around the house with Eric G and our auto expert uh, now on uh, the station in Seattle. So we're really happy to have you guys on the team, uh, KIXI AM 880 in Seattle. It's an awesome station, and everybody there I've known for a long time, um, Scott Mahalik, Michael Fashana, the guys who uh, sit in the ivory tower there, they're, they're pretty <laughs> awesome. I mean, you can't get more awesome people than that. And, and it's nice to be on the same radio station as John Tesh, too. I can say, uh, yeah, I work with John Tesh. Aren't I cool? <laughs> You know, yeah, he's uh, he was on the air after me. Yeah, John Tesh. Yeah, baby. Uh, oh, I don't know. Is that cool? Is it a pickup line? I don't know. <laughs> uh, what's on the show today? Let's run through that so so we can get uh, get to our first interview. Oh yeah, so I did a bad. Oh uh, yeah, you did do a bad. This is what happens when I don't pay attention and let Jen run wild. Well, I always run wild, but you uh, just have to hear about it when you I, get I here. I tell Jen, be fair. To okay. everybody, because everyone wants to be on the show. So what does she do? Every single guest today is from General Motors. Just I'm pre-warning you. 
I'm just pre-warning you, except for Anton Wallman, of who's course. independent. Of course. But I'm sure he'll talk about General Motors. Uh, <laughs> David Chavaron, the global Escalade product manager, he's joining us. Stuart Fowles is going to talk about this new innovation in Wi-Fi from General Motors. Uh, Phil Zach is the executive design director of that new Hummer EV that you've been hearing huge amounts about. Shad Bolts joining us to talk about that new <coughs> Chevrolet defense uh, vehicle, the first infantry squad vehicle delivered to the U.S. Army. Uh, Michael Farah is the GM product and brand communications manager, and we're going to talk about the AT4 Canyon. Anton will be joining us to talk about what's going on in the world of autonomy, electricity, and uh, business, and Michael Cordell talking about the Chevrolet Corvette. Save the best for last. Uh, is it? I'm super interested in uh, several of the things. First oh, of all, too. the Escalade, and I'm interested in this new military vehicle from, uh, from the Chevrolet. Hummer. Don't forget the Hummer. And the Hummer, yes. They're all exciting. They are, but bad girl Jen. I know, I love it. Um, we'll be, have to punish you later. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I have to say that there is very little, there's frowns going around here. I said punish, not punch. Punish. <laughs> uh, I... There's fr- <laughs> Stop, you guys. <laughs> Hold it together. It's a live broadcast. Uh, We're on in 20 cities around the country. Mm. Uh, the Global Escalade launch happened recently. Uh, I was privileged enough to have an Escalade delivered to the studio uh, where I partook in that global launch and uh, was mightily impressed, especially by the giant. Most of the front of the dashboard is taken up by a screen. Pretty, they it's might gorgeous. as well. They almost went all the way across. I love it. Uh, and David is joining like us. That. He's the Global Escalade product manager. Uh, David, I hope I don't butcher your last name, but I'm going to guess it's uh, Chevron. Is that correct? Not close enough. It's Chevroni. Chevroni. I told you. See, Jen's Italian, and uh-huh. she wanted to tell me that's how it was spelled, but she didn't know. She was just guessing. No, I said, let's go Italian. Chevroni. <laughs> <laughs> so you, uh, you are probably pretty proud of this new Escalade because uh, it's been getting quite a lot of accolades. Escalade, accolade, you'd expect that, right? <laughs> I like the way you make that sound. Yeah, we're we're terribly excited about it. It's a beautiful, beautiful new vehicle that we think is just just right for the market. You uh, pretty much did the the new screen goes almost uh, three quarters of the way across the dash. Why didn't you go all the way across? You might as well have just done it because it's so big now. I think it's three screens in one now, isn't it? That is true. So um, this is a uh, organic LED system, and it is actually three different displays behind two panels of glass. And so um, the 38 inches is a total diagonal of all three of these displays. And the, um, you've got one to the left of the steering wheel, one behind the, the steering wheel itself, and then one to the right of the steering wheel. And um, those three in total are 38, first curved OLED screen in the industry. And uh, it has twice the pixel density of a 4K TV, which is amazing. And it gives you just the truest blacks that you can get out there and the broadest uh, color range out there. So we're very excited. The graphics look beautiful. And uh, it's, it's, it's overwhelming when you first sit in, for sure. I noticed that um, the whole thing is very impressive. But I noticed the surround view cameras, which are the furthest right away from the driver, that even though that's the smallest portion of the screen, the clarity on that, I could pick up leaves on the ground next to the car. And I'm like, that's pretty incredible. That's, that's, e- even though it's the smallest part of the screen, it's pretty clarified. 
Yeah, the uh, the camera, because of the size of the screen, we had to up all of our cameras to two megapixel resolution, and that's why you can see those leads like that. And um, you can actually, to, to the point you're making, th there's well over 13, 15 different camera angles and views that you can actually pull up. So there's a whole camera app in that big uh, screen to the right, what we call the infotainment screen, and you can just select any view around the vehicle by itself if you wanted to. Now, I love the, the idea that in front, and I, there's like a million things we could talk about on I this know, vehicle, this but car. I'm going to stick with the screens because they were the part that impressed me <laughs> the most, although the whole vehicle did. So you have this option down the left-hand side of the steering wheel. There is this option of buttons that you can press, which allow you to select the, that would normally be the gauge cluster in front of the driver. You can select uh, what is in that gauge cluster, and you have one of the buttons, which is called augmentation reality or, or a I think it's a I can't remember what it AR. is AR, AR AR camera yeah AR yeah. camera I it, it's interesting to put that on because when you put it on uh, I want to look at it not the road <laughs> it's so <laughs> fascinating that I don't I, I forget that I maybe should be looking at the road and not looking at the uh, camera well, certainly you should be looking at the road, but the the beauty of that system, it's like you said, it's augmented reality, AR for short, and it's a live street view of what's going on right in front of you. So, you know, you're at an intersection, you're on the interstate, whatever, it's a live view. And when you have a, a, a live navigation route entered and you're following it, it will put arrows right over the lane you should be in and gives you when you make these turns if you're on the interstate there are the they put a big arrow a turn arrow in the lane that you should be in so you know if there's five or six lanes wide it'll put it in the second from the right or all the way to the right if that's the one you need to be in to keep following your route and then it'll also put up this giant wall of arrows if you're at an intersection to say hey this is it yeah. so you cannot miss your turn Perfect. I can't explain to you why that, uh, I mean, it should have been here a hundred years ago because I always miss my turns even with navigation. Night vision, the sound system in this is absolutely amazing. Sound system is really exciting and we have two of them. Uh, there's a 19 speaker one, which is the most uh, bass speakers in our whole segment. And then our up level, which is a 36 speaker system and, and then again that is the most that you can get in our segment as well and the whole the, the first of all the brand is akg and they have been they, they're really well known in the music industry for studio quality sound and uh, we were looking for a specific partnership with them got it and they have delivered it is a amazing sound system with a bunch of new features that are new to the industry and uh, if you're Give me a second, two of them that I would call out. One is navigation rendering. So it works with the nav that we were just talking about, but it, it gives you directions with the voice. So if you're making a left-hand turn, the prompts will be out of only the left speakers. Right. And the, close, the closer you get, the louder those prompts get. Nice. So it, it helps out. And then there's another feature that is just for the front passenger even that uh, if the front passenger wants to turn their volume up or down, they can do that, and it works remarkably well while leaving the rest of the cabin at the original sound setting. I, 
Uh, David, I can't tell you how much in love with this vehicle I am. I, I want to own every single uh, different trim level. And it has Super Cruise, and I've been waiting for Super Cruise to come into an SUV. Oh, my God, I love every ounce of this. Uh, David is the global Escalade product manager. Please go test drive it. It'll change your life. More to come on our Auto Expert. You're listening to our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at Our Auto Expert uh, website. Of course, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all of our shows, see our automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Uh, if you think about Wi Fi in your vehicle, it can be a lifesaver for many parents. Goodness gracious me. Can you imagine going on a road trip with young kids and not having Wi Fi? Um, that's what I did. Yeah, well, you did? Did yeah. you have a hood over your son? He's <laughs> very pulling your hair and driving no. you crazy. No, was he a good reader? I mean, it's either books or Wi-Fi. You have two choices. Well, he was books until Wi-Fi became available. And then, uh, now he's a computer nerd. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, so GM have been one of the companies that adopted Wi-Fi early on, and they mm-hmm. have some big news. And so we are, thought we'd have Stuart Fowl come on and talk to us about uh, the, the Wi-Fi news. By the way, Stuart, I just uh, I pulled up the press release to just quickly skim over this. Um, the picture of you on this press release, <laughs> I think it probably needs updating. It looks he's so cute. I mean, I have to go look at it. <laughs> I think you're like 14 or 15. I was 12. <laughs> so it's pretty, at least a year old. Yeah, uh, you know something? I wouldn't. I don't update it. It's pretty good. When people skip, uh, in fact, we know a friend of ours who works for a Fiat Chrysler, and his press release photo he had hair and he's been bored for at least the last 15 years so <laughs> it's uh, pretty awesome when that happens not that we're saying that you're bored because you're definitely not but uh it, it well, you, you you don't know that either well seen you in months with this pandemic going on i might be fully bald now i know uh <laughs> i have via facebook i've seen pictures of you uh, and, and his new and, car and your yeah and your sweet little child uh so listen uh, wi-fi uh, you guys are sort of the major innovator at least as far as brands are concerned with wi-fi and uh you've scored big this time around uh, it looks like it's uh, been something that customers really enjoy and they're coming to you in droves right they sure are nick uh we just passed a million wi-fi subscribers in our vehicles across Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, and Cadillac were the, the first automaker in the, the business to pass that milestone. Obviously, we were also, uh, as you said, one of the first to put Wi-Fi in the car uh, about six years ago. So uh, really great success, um, and you're, you're absolutely right. It's a lifesaver for kids, and as you can imagine, of those, uh, those million customers that we have using Wi-Fi in our vehicles, uh, the full-size SUVs and, and big crossovers are, are the ones where it's most popular and, and where people are going on road trips with their kids and, and using it in the back seat. So uh, as we're launching uh, a new uh, Escalade and a new Tahoe and a new Suburban and a, a new Yukon, really great time to bring in some new features for the Wi-Fi. Um, and that's why we're really happy to have a partner uh, with AT&T and uh, their Warner Media uh, kind of arm of, of AT&T has a ton of really awesome uh, channels and classic cartoon characters, all of Looney Tunes and, and everything else. And now there's this new app called Warner Media Ride, 
uh, which you can download on a tablet or a phone. And a lot like uh, if you fly on an airplane and you get on your tablet, and when you're on the plane's Wi-Fi, you get to access special uh, shows and, and movies and things on the plane. Just like that, if you uh, connect your tablet to your car, uh, it knows that you're, you're in the car, and this Warner Media app gives you a bunch of free content to uh, stream from all the, the Warner Media stations. Um, keep your kids entertained and, and parents happy. So you're telling me that if I can convince my spouse to drive everywhere, I can sit in the passenger seat and watch Bugs Money the whole time. That is correct. <laughs> I think you've got a winner right there. I'm just telling you, there's a great reason. There's two reasons for me not to drive. First of all, I don't get bitched at. Second of all, I can watch Bugs Bunny. I'm in. I'm totally in. Uh, it looks like there's CNN, HBO, TBS, TNT, uh, True TV, and then uh, that's it. That's the Warner Brothers family, basically. Oh, Cartoon Network. Uh, that's the that's the whole exactly. family. Yeah, that's pretty Especially awesome. Especially now, where where people are flying less and driving more, it's a great opportunity to have something new to to get the family uh, entertained on a long drive. I think the other thing that I think a lot of people don't use this as a reason to get Wi-Fi in your vehicle, because I hear this argument, my spouse is an IT tech person, programmer, and I hear this all the time, that, well, you have your cell phone, and you know your cell phone has uh, Wi-Fi capabilities, you can put a hotspot down, but, and here's the but, quite often your cell coverage is different with different providers. So it, I have one cell phone provider and it's not AT&T. If I get AT&T in the vehicle, when my cell phone provider drops off, I quite often I've been on GM vehicle drives where my provider is not providing cell phone service and I've hooked into the Wi-Fi and the AT&T provider is still providing cell phone service or still providing uh, you know, Wi-Fi service. Therefore, I've still had use of my cell phone. And I think when you travel places that where coverage becomes a little bit more spotty, that's a really, really good reason to have it. And we don't have kids, and our dogs don't watch cartoons. So it's a, that's a really that, that's well, a really well, good not reason. Not only not only different carriers, Nick, but your your cell phone only has so much antenna power because it needs to maintain a a battery life that lasts you all day. And when you're in a car, um, we have a, a stronger signal through our antenna because it's powered off of the vehicle and it's up on top of the car instead of inside a right. a metal box. So. Right. Uh, we've, we've, we've definitely heard from people that we, uh, we get a stronger signal even on the same good AT&T network. What's the limitation? If your car has GM Wi-Fi capabilities, is it able to get the, this new system? That's right. Um, if, you're, uh, if you're one of our data subscribers, all you need to do is download the app on your favorite device and, and connect it to the vehicle and start streaming away. And if you don't have a GM vehicle that does it, what are you suggesting people do? Go get one. Oh, Jen. That's, <laughs> that's a Stuart line. You ruined his whole I'm line. I'm so sorry, Stuart. <laughs> he, he set me up perfect. <laughs> uh, it's always good to talk to you, Stuart, and I'm pretty excited about this, too. And, of course, I'm always, uh, I'm always playing with GM vehicles in the fleet, so uh, next time I'm going to make sure I download it and use it on the uh, demo vehicles that I have. And, by the way, don't be calling me telling me I use the entire year's worth of data plan on the Cartoon Network because I will. I'll be watching. <laughs> I will. I'll make sure. Stuart Fowle is the GM brand innovations and global connected services guy and R&D communications. Well, you've got a lot of titles there on your, uh, on your uh, 
uh, website there. Stuart, thank you for telling us about 1 million subscribers and all the new channels. More Our Auto Expert on the way. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. This is Our Auto Expert radio show. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start the conversation with us. Ask us a car question. Just direct messages at Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Uh, I can tell you that we have had a lot of exciting times with automotive news coming out left, right, and center over the last few days. Uh, Probably the biggest story to hit the newsstands if that's a thing anymore, I guess it was interwebs, is the uh, the brand new uh, Hummer. Uh, the new electric Hummer has been dominating the news cycles, radio, television, and the interwebs. Uh, and there's good reason for it. The brand, which uh, went away a while ago, is back again, but this time all electric. And it is jaw-dropping, I have to tell you, not only in its design, but also in its capabilities. And um, and we, of course, asked uh, the GM folks if we could have somebody on from GMC to talk about the design of the Hummer. So they lined us up with this gentleman. His name is Phil Zack. He is the executive design director for Hummer. Uh, Phil, first of all, uh, nice job. Lots of great publicity with the vehicle. Did you start off with a blank sheet of paper or did they give you a whole bunch of rules and regs and things you had to start with? <laughs> great question, Nick. Uh We started off with a blank piece of paper, uh, not just a blank piece of paper on the vehicle, but it was also a blank piece of paper on the architecture and really kind of a blank piece of paper on Hummer. You know, where do you go next with it? Um, Really, when it came down, it's like, you know, we're going to do Hummer. Let's let's run with it. And with a new Altium battery architecture, we really wanted to take this opportunity to show what extreme capability you can get on an electrified platform. And for us at GM, you know, with the uh, Hummer, it was iconic. It was capable. Uh, it had a fabulous history. We knew it had a lot of uh, fantastic supporters. We knew it also had some detractors that came along with it. So, you know, from a design standpoint, our goal was uh, how do we bring this vehicle into 2020, 2021 and beyond, and then make it new, fresh, and different. So that's really what you've seen uh, coalesced in the last it was a rapid, fast program, but in the few months uh, that we designed it and executed it, and now on the build process. I like to uh, call engineers dream killers because they tend to take what designers do and go, can't do that, can't do that, that's not possible. Uh, but in this case, engineers have, have really enabled you to do things that you've never been able to do. I mean, you just talk about things that are quite simple, like lights, for instance. Lights never used to be able to be this thin or this multiple. I mean, in years gone past when you've designed vehicles, you were never able to get the whole dash to light up or the whole grill to light up, or you were never able to get the lights so thin. Um, so they've really enabled you to change your whole aspect of design and really pull it forward forward right uh exactly you you hit one of the challenges and the, the concerns as the designers that we have going forward this program moves so fast and uh at such a pace that the entire team would meet daily and then we would go through uh, as we kind of came up with our vision engineering was working with us uh it comes down to two just the overhangs on the vehicle to make it look capable you know we kept those really short which enables the, um, the capability, but also from a design standpoint, gives you that Hummer look and feel. And then as you touched on the lamps, 
uh, the same thing. We knew we had to bring this vehicle forward from a tech standpoint. And as you walk past it, we don't want people to think that this was just a, a throwback from the past, that when you look at everything from the surface execution, it's, it's not militaristic, it's sophisticated, but strong and muscular. The lamps are really high tech. And that is kind of the window into the rest of the vehicle and all the technology that is inside of it. So that was one thing that we were really passionate about and engineering fully supported. So we had a great time doing it. The, did, how much did you actually know when you started to design the vehicles? Presumably you already had a platform. You had sort of a wheelbase. You had an idea that it would have rear steering. You probably had an idea that the trunk would be where the engine bay is. Is that those sort of things were already known? And then you had to sort of build a car that fit those specs? Or were those things not decided when you started? Uh, nothing was decided when we started. Oh. It was a, a vision for us from uh, leadership that in order to show the capability of the vehicle, it's going to be a Hummer, right? and then it's going to be electric. Those wow. are the two things that we wow. knew. And the rest of it was team, figure the rest out. That so would be that's where it, so much fun. It, it, it was a, it's, in my career, it's been like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to kind of dial us in. So we sat down with the engineers and the designers, and we, we dreamt up what this thing could be. Right. And, you know, you can see what it came out to be we're quite proud of it um i know that the edition one is probably just the starting point for this um if i know anything about the automotive industry you are probably at the very first phase and what you came up with will be uh, there'll be more Hummer ideas coming from what you've done, and there'll be probably, you know, you don't usually design an electric architecture that goes into one vehicle. It usually goes into multiple brands in different shapes or forms for different usabilities. So really, to be the first, you have to execute it uh, absolutely as the top notch, right? This is the sort of the leader. The, the pressure, did you, did you have sleepless nights? <laughs> Um, from the, from the capability standpoint on the architecture, uh, you know, this one, like I mentioned, does set the bookend on capability. So yes, uh, we can filter vehicles in that, you know, come through at different price points, different capabilities. So this is really just the tip of the iceberg of what we at GM are able to do with this, uh, Ultium architecture. So I, I can't really tell you any more than that from of a course. development standpoint, but, uh, it does give us fantastic, uh, latitude. And breath. When you when when it was decided to do rear steering, so this could crab, which uh, is impressive to look at that. Uh, watch it go sideways in the canyon, which it did. Uh, when you decided to do that, did that alter how the rear of the vehicle was designed? Because clearly, if the wheels are moving in that sort of direction, it's going to change how you know things come into contact with the wheel arches, or you know how rocks and things move past the vehicle. Um, did you sort of have to take in that into account? Uh, rear wheels don't often steer in a vehicle. Uh, they don't. They they don't steer to the degree that we have them steering in the angles. Um, it really, as engineering was developing this, they kept everything open for ultimate capability. And, you know, they realized down the road that with the space that they had enabled for all the clearances, that they were able to make that work out. So from a design standpoint, uh, it's nothing that drove anything different on where we were. We actually had the model already established, and that was one of the developments as they moved forward, that it it grew in capability. 
in, in now one of the things that's fairly impressive of course it's a truck and and maybe they won't all be trucks in the future there's obviously the ability to box it in and make it an suv but uh you have this sort of removable roof to make it more of an adventure truck as well and that uh although it looks simple once you start taking parts off of a vehicle you change the whole way a vehicle structured right uh, generally, on a, on a normal architecture, you're 100% correct that you do. Uh, but on the LTM architecture that we have, the battery structure is so strong and ingrained uh, for protection of the, the cells that it enabled the upper part of the vehicle uh, to, to not carry heavy pillars that you would typically have. All right. Uh, we do have a lot of structural support across. But with the uh, infinity panels, you can remove all four. Uh, they fit in the frunk, which is motorized, that will open, and they'll stack in uh, specialty boxes that we've made for them. But there is one uh, T-bar on the front that goes between the passenger and the driver, and that is also removable. So essentially, you can really take the tops off, and we envision this. The tops come off, you know, you're in the woods or you're off somewhere, and, and you can be going down a, 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 a path in you know, virtual silence with the electric architecture. So you can really get in tune with nature and really enjoy the great outdoors. Did you end up with a lot more space? I know that from the electric vehicles that I've been in in the past, uh, designers always say there's a lot more space than they expected because you don't have a lot of the mechanical things that you're used to having in a gasoline or internal combustion engine vehicle, and you end up with quite a lot more uh, options of of using space in a vehicle. Uh, You do have a lot more space internally. Uh, The floor is flat. So that enables a lot of opportunity for, for pass-throughs for, you know, better leg room. Uh, so you're right. That is, um, you know, one of the advantages. Uh, we do have a frunk on this. since You don't have a large motor that's right. uh, in, in front of the uh, driver, so that works out well. Uh, the one thing you do retain is, um, you know, you, you do need a lot of cooling for the batteries as well, which that's what you will see on uh, vehicles. Still, I don't say radiator, but you will still get front end flow because the batteries and everything else is too cool as well. So we know that the initial reservations are all sold out of the first, uh, the first version, edition one. Are we expecting to hear about the the next editions coming in the future? Are we holding our breath for that? Um, you're holding your breath for that. No, uh, <laughs> this has been so well received. Uh, it, it's been fabulous. So. No, I can't necessarily tell you all the product plans that we have going forward for obvious reasons, but we do have other things that we are looking at. All right. We, we will stay tuned. I promise you that uh, we're pretty excited about it. Um, I, I had the opportunity to go down to San Francisco this week. I couldn't unfortunately make it to see it, but I will. I assure you I'll be first in line as soon as the press drive happens to, uh, to go play with it. You've done an amazing job, uh, Phil. I think that it looks just like I'd expect a 2020 version of a Hummer to look. I think it, uh, it looks glorious. It looks adventuresome. It looks capable and it looks like I'd have an awful lot of fun with it. So I think you scored with it, although I haven't sat in it. I haven't played with it yet. I think uh, I'm waiting. I think... I'm sold now on an electric vehicle. Are you? It's, it took the Hummer. It took the Hummer. <laughs> it took the Hummer. To yeah. J- Jen's I, been hanging on to her Chevy trucks because she doesn't want to go electric. <laughs> Finally, you've done it, Phil. Congratulations. <laughs> we'll look forward to the next edition. Phil Zach is the executive design director of the new Hummer. Stand by. More Our Auto Expert on the way.
You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, or, hey, Alexa, hey, Siri, play our Auto Expert radio show. And all the previous episodes of the podcast are available. Our Auto Expert is endless hours of fun. I'm Nick Miles. This is our Auto Expert radio show where 2 million Americans get their automotive news around the world. Jen. Yes. So you thought the insight of the G80 was 1970s-ish. No, it's just the trend right now. Why do you it's, say that no when you, that's what you said to well, me? Well, yes and no. Okay, so it's just the trend, that caramel leather look. I, I feel like it's like English club. It's like a yacht. It's like luxury. Okay, so for 50 and older, because I'm 48 I, yeah. and, and younger, I, I just think Is it's... Is that why I like it? Because I'm over 50? Yeah, All maybe. Right, I don't know. I just, I like the modern, sleek design of a vehicle and this... It, sleek it's just old you know the all new uh, 2021 genesis g80 <laughs> sets a new standard in executive mid-size sedans for luxury and it really represents the core of the brand uh they're really nice executive vehicles they're the third, gorgeous third generation of their rear wheel drive platform jd power uh, vehicle dependability study the genesis brand ranked number one in 2020 its debut appearance the jd power initial quality study uh, the isq genesis ranked number one in premium brands for four years in a row the iihs top safety pick uh, the uh, entire line of genesis vehicles that's the g70 g80 and g90 have become top safety pick pluses uh, it has a starting price of around forty-seven thousand seven hundred dollars uh, that's for the 2.5 t rear wheel drive fifty-nine thousand one hundred dollars for the 3.5 liter turbo rear wheel drive there are four different trim levels in this vehicle the 2.5 liter uh, turbo the 2.5 liter all-wheel drive the 3.5 liter turbo the 3.5 liter turbo all-wheel drive so i guess it has a 2.5 and a 3.5 with or without all-wheel drive Correct. is the way that you divide it out 10 yes. different colors acoustic glass in the windshield three layer sealed for all doors for a better seal around the doors to keep the exterior noise outside the vehicle uh, ha it has a hollowed two-piece wheel construction further reduces road noise and tire resonance. I've seen this done in the Lexus ES and LS, which really reduced the amount of road noise in the vehicle. 20-inch wheels, LED quad lamps, front and back. Uh, power trunk, which is absolutely necessary on a luxury vehicle. Ergo motion driver's seat uh, function, it featuring seven air cells to optimize, optimize seating for each driving mode and reduce fatigue via a stretching mode and automatic posture correction. So that means if you slouch, the seat will slap you back into place. Not really, <laughs> yeah. but it will adjust you gently. Ambient mood lighting, a first row HVAC system allows the driver to adjust the heated and ventilated seats. Uh, which, which I could tell are amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, it took a little while for them to, to kick in, but when they kicked in, I could have made toast with my backside. Mm -hmm. uh, the second row air conditioning mode, uh, the temperature independently from the first row is adjusted. Heated uh, from the f heated seats in the second row. Matte wood finish trim, panoramic sunroof. As far as infotainment is concerned, it has a 14.5-inch <laughs> infotainment system, a 12.3-inch 3D or 2D uh, 
instrument cluster, depending on how you equip the car. A Lexington 21 speaker system. Mm-hmm. Integrated controlled a controller allowing the keyboard free navigation to happen. So it's basically a circular controller that you can spin around and then use your finger to do directions. Uh, keyless push start or audio uh, noise cancellation, heads up display, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, Cirrus satellite radio, Bluetooth heads up display, uh, the remote start parking assist feature. So you saw the Super Bowl ad last year, which was Smart Pack. Remember Smart Pack? I love Smart Park. Smart Park with Hyundai. This has Smart Park. Yes. Um, so I showed that to my I friend Andy. I saw that. It was so yeah, funny. Just, you get out of the car and, you know, and should we see if we can do it from here? No, you think, okay. uh, It might be too far away. Yeah. It's in the parking lot now. Let's see Put if we can. Put it to your head. Let's see if we start it. <laughs> we'll start it. Will it start? I'm holding the start button down now. It might be too far away. It won't do it there. Let me try it, holding oh my it to gosh. my head. Do you know if you hold the key to your head that it sometimes works because it, the... Keys work off water mass. We're in a three-story building. No, it's not working. It's not going to work. We, I was going to drive my car in and out of the parking space from the third floor. That would floor. freak out everybody down there. It would, uh, <laughs> we, we just had the director of sales in here. If he was walking past it, that would have... <laughs> Might have had to come and change his pants. <laughs> come and change his pants because it scared him. Um, <laughs> uh, the valet mode function uh, that uh, initiates security so that users' personal information doesn't appear on the infotainment screen while using the valet parking. Of course, uh, we talked about Smart Park. Uh, it has tons of safety features, including a safety platform that integrates communication between 40 controllers in real time to help ensure safety response, uh, smart cruise control, machine learning AI system, forward collision avoidance, highway driving assistance at level two, lane uh, alert for blind spot detection. If you put the signal on in the speedometers, uh, it shows the camera, the mirror camera, so you can see what's in your blind spot as you indicate to go over. It'll show you what's in your blind spot on oh, the little camera. Oh, and the backup camera. I love yeah. it. it. tells you the way your wheels are. Oh, turning. yeah. So on the side that of the car, amazing. it shows you where your wheels are pointed. I love it. Yeah. Uh, driver attention system, 10 airbags. Uh, Jenzel was nudging me to move up in the coffee line when we come to get coffee in the morning <laughs> on the way here. It tells you that. So it's I call it the Gen system. <laughs> It's the gentler. Uh, what's this competition? You might be looking at an Audi A6, a BMW 5 Series, Mercedes-Benz E-Class. That's the sort of vehicle it's competing with. Eight-speed automatic transmission, enhanced uh, engine audio called the Active Sound Design. Uh, that's one of the things it has. That's the advanced engine audio. Uh, it's uh, we talked about the engines. Uh, it has the uh, the 2.5 liter has 300 horsepower. The 3.5 liter has 375 horsepower. Uh, so well equipped, well designed. I will tell you that it does say you should get around 22 miles a gallon. Yeah. Nope. You have the 3.5 down there. I'm getting somewhere around 15, 16. <laughs> well, that's because it's you, Nick. Because it's me and it's I have a lead foot. Mm-hmm. And I'm in mm-hmm. sport mode all the time. Mm-hmm. So I love the wide stance, the way it looks in the front. Are you talking about me or the car? Well, the car. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it has a wide stance. It's, it's pretty nice. It's beautiful. Um, I think they've done a good job with the grill. And the lighting. Do you know, do you know Hyundai and Genesis? Do you know the story of their uh, grills? It's been a while, so go ahead. I tell you. I know the hands with the the 
that's logo. Something, that's different. Yeah, that's yeah, that's Hyundai. That's something different. Go ahead. Uh, the the logo of the grill on their vehicles. The Hyundai is a steel company by trade, so they make steel. Mm-hmm. And the steel smelters. Mm-hmm. If you look at Hyundai grill and the Genesis grill, it's actually the shape of the steel smelter. The smelter. That sort of five-pointed oh, shape, yeah. so the pointed arrow at the bottom with the sides uh-huh. on the top, that's what the smelters look like. They smelt the steel before they... Uh, that is cool. Yeah. Isn't that cool? I love stuff like that. Yeah? Yeah. little tidbit for you there. Take <laughs> that back to your Thanksgiving dinner. All right, more to come on our Auto X. We've got a packed show still to go. Stand by. We'll be right back with more delicious little niggly facts that you'll love. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the Northwest and Southeast. This is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is Our Auto Expert, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl, Jen. If you're into off-road, rugged, and exciting vehicles, this is the place for you. Uh, Truck girl, Jen, has... uh, Everything in her garage that you want for off-road and exciting, almost, as long as it's a Chevrolet, because uh, <laughs> she exclusively has Chevrolet. You might also notice she's booking the show today. I don't think we have anybody else on that it doesn't work for GM. Nope. And the next segment is no exception, because Shad Balch joining us to talk about uh, probably one of the most exciting new vehicles that has been finally delivered to the U.S. Army, and that is their first infantry squad vehicle. I can tell you just by looking at the pictures of it, I already want one. So, Shad, this is not something that's commercially available, at least not yet, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's a purpose-built vehicle that GM Defense submitted to the U.S. Army in a very competitive bidding process to develop these vehicles that are used to move troops in and out of combat zones very fast. And so they're they're somewhat available today because 90% of the components of this vehicle are from the Colorado ZR2, which is great. We were able to prove and and validate all these parts in real-world, rough, off-road applications, and it just fit right into what the Army was looking for. If I take a ZR2 and a chainsaw, could I get myself one of these vehicles? Nice try. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, you could. Yeah, you'd have to weld on some roll bars and things like that. you got to make it so that it can be air-landed by a Black Hawk helicopter, right. but otherwise, yeah. <laughs> no know, problem, No right? problem. <laughs> uh, I don't know how good my chainsaw skills are. The uh, I will tell you, your history at General Motors is uh, obviously one of taking military vehicles and making them available to the public. The number one vehicle of that is, of course, the Hummer that started its life as a military vehicle and then became a publicly purchasable vehicle. Do you see a future going that way with this vehicle, or do you think it's just going to remain exclusively a military vehicle? That's one of the coolest things about this department at GM called GM Defense is that we do exactly what you just described. We make these really cool vehicles that are purpose-built for the military, and then we decide to what, what parts we can sell to consumers. And that's the fun part. Like you said, Hummer is a good example of that. Uh, some of these, you know, the, the Secret Service is obviously a big client of ours for armored vehicles, for the president's limousine. All of these unique applications, we definitely try to technology swap into things that customers can buy. So interestingly enough, uh, we just added a new radio station in Seattle today, AM880. And our boss there, Scott Mahalik, 
his uh, family all work for the Secret Service. And occasionally when he goes back east, they let him use one of their GM super security vehicles. And he gets to sort of drive it around for, you know, like a week or so. And he said, it's really great fun to drive a Secret Service type vehicle for the whole week. He said, the only downside is you have to stop at every gas station along the way because they're usually (laughs) so big and heavy. So presumably those sort of things, everything that you guys work on is to try and make them more sort of real world friendly as well. And especially with these sort of vehicles, because although they have to be super resilient to being dropped by a Black Hawk helicopter you also got to think about military budgets aren't endless you got to try and keep these costs down to these vehicles yeah that's exactly right and the other thing about it that gives us some leeway is that most of them are you know off-road purpose-built vehicles not meant to be driven on public roads which means there are a lot of rules and regulations you can you don't have to abide by if it was a retail vehicle so for example you look at this isv there's no roof there's no windshield there's a whole lot of creature comforts that for safety purposes, aren't needed. And so that does keep costs down because you want just the bare bones minimum of weight and equipment. And the fewer parts that could go wrong, the better. And so these vehicles, they're just all that, every part that's on it has to earn its way in it, meaning it needs to have a purpose. Otherwise, there's no need for it. And I'm just going to take a wild guess that if this was ever to come to the public, you probably wouldn't need a 50 cal machine gun on the roof. You probably don't need the machine gun on the roof. Exactly. (laughs) It might be a nice addition, but you probably wouldn't need it. I'm just saying. Uh, It it is, though, one of the things when I look at it, Shad, and I stand back and and I put my marketing hat on and I look at this vehicle, the one thing that it does that most Americans want is it transports a large amount of people. And we're always trying to get a lot of people in a smaller vehicle. And what you've done at General Motors is you've utilized space which isn't normal normally used in these vehicles and I don't really know why people in the car industry haven't done this but for instance you've utilized roof space instead of trunk space and you've utilized the trunk space for passengers and the roof space for gear and it seems like that makes so much sense because vehicles can only extend so far backwards in this military case roof is exactly the right place to put all the storage and then you can get eight eight passengers in something that's the size of a Colorado. And so there's probably real-world applications at least going through engineers' heads right now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the fact that they're able to put nine humans in this vehicle, and it's, it's a Colorado ZR2, that's the, uh, you know, the mid-sized pickup truck segment. But the fact that they're able to carry that many troops, all of their gear, and deploy it from a helicopter... It's pretty remarkable the the way the engineering team was able to reconfigure some of the components, move things around. And you're right. A lot of those learnings will most likely transfer over into products that people can buy. I will say, though, there's a few things that probably are going to have to change if human beings, uh, you know, human beings, if if non uh, uh, military people use this and one of those things is the fact that you actually get uh, you want a comfortable ride although these things are probably you know you don't mind throwing 20 25 35 year olds around in a truck when you get to somebody who's in their 50s they probably don't want to be bounced around as much as these vehicles will bounce people around so the suspension is probably going to have to be a lot more comfortable etc uh, etc et right well that's what's that's the best part about this vehicle is so the suspension is right off the shelf 
from our oh. Colorado ZR2 Bison Special Edition. So we use the Multimatic DSSV shocks and dampers, and they're magical. I mean, the amount of the ability and capability they give the trucks to be able to fly through the air, take moguls and bumps and ruts faster than you could possibly want to go, that is the secret sauce in that vehicle. The jounce, bump stops, all of that. And this was proven first in our off-road racing program. So Chad Hall, who's driving a Colorado ZR2 in the Best in the Desert series, he has the same components on that truck that are now on this ISV vehicle. And it's it's just like our magnetic ride system, where when you're on the highway, you don't get offended by any rough bumps or chatter, but you take it off-road, and all of a sudden it feels like you're in a completely different vehicle purpose-built for bumps. Now, what, what do we, how do we call this? Because I'm obviously calling it the Infantry Squad Vehicle. Is there a sort of an acronym? Is there, is there a cool name that it, you know, ISV, is that it? ISV, government code name right there. It's All right. cool. And, and presumably, like, uh, if, if it comes to market in a, in a commercial sense uh, outside the military, it would still probably be called a, an ISV or something similar as well. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I, I'm pulling for my my leadership to do a Colorado ISV special edition. Well, so that that, cool. that was going to be my next question. I mean, that's the <laughs> obvious thing to do, like paint a Colorado green, give it a few things that are on the ISV, and then just just tell. I mean, you could probably do that almost instantaneously as long as it didn't violate any of your contract with the uh, the U.S. military. That's probably something you could. Well, and we don't have a SEMA this year, but you could have at least shown it SEMA. And that that also brings this to mind: is this isn't the first military vehicle that you've done at SEMA for SEMA. I mean, I've been to SEMA a bunch of times and seen a lot of GM military vehicles there. So this is not a new project for you. No, not at all. GM Defense is one of the oldest departments at our company, and it dates back to World War One, World War Two, when we converted plants to you know, build tanks and, and armored equipment. So that, yeah, this is nothing new. And we love to show them off. I mean, the Working for the government is a very competitive process. You know, it's all based on taxpayer dollars, so you got to spend it the right way. And I think the fact that we were able to pull from the shelf from a proven off-road vehicle is what gave us the advantage over the competitors who were trying to get this bid. Are you? Is is this the same division that makes the uh, presidential limousines, or is that something different? Because they've been Cadillac for a while, right? Yeah, they have been Cadillac for a while, and it is. It's the same sort of. Uh, special unit, you know, and it's just this very top secret, undisclosed location, assembly line and engineering room and all these high tech labs. But yeah, it's the same group of folks. Have you ever thought of sitting a radio or TV personality inside one of these presidential limousines and shooting at it to see if it would uh, protect them? Oh, my God. I right. love where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> Because there certainly has to be a, a GM person in the car with you, and I would love to make that happen. I have yet to drive it, but I know they're sending it out to the West Coast for some, some photo ops and things like that, so I'm down for that. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'll volunteer and I'll provide the firearm, so I'm telling you right now, I'll do I'll it. I'll film. I'm in. <laughs> you can sit inside, I'm or is in. this at my I job? I mean, if, if, <laughs> if you're going to put a president or one of these type of vehicles, you've got to know that they're protected, and, mm -hmm. and sometimes you're going to have to just take bite the bullet, or maybe not. <laughs> <That'd be scary. laughs> i'm just saying i'm volunteering uh so these vehicles are being delivered now shad so yeah we the first contract segment is for 650 of these things so we're going to do that we have the capability in the, the current bid to build up to i think 2500 of them so yeah we're starting to deliver the first prototypes right now and we will probably watch this space for more news right oh for sure
All right. It sounds fun. The new ISV, the Infantry Squad Vehicle, just being delivered from General Motors. It's the brand new Army's uh, Infantry Squad Vehicle, which is going to deliver up to nine troops. And if that doesn't work for you, you can go and buy one of the Colorados because uh, you know, you might not be able to get hold of one of those. <laughs> Shad Balch, it's great to have you on the show. Always love to have you as a friend of the show. More GM stuff coming up, by the way. GMC going to be here with the AT4 Canyon next. Stand by for that. This is our Auto Expert. The show gets even more delicious as we go on. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show. Our Auto Expert is the website, and you can find it all there. Uh, You can hear past shows, see our automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. So I've also been driving the uh, Canyon AT4, which AT4 is the very cool trim level uh, which GM have output of their brand new vehicles and it's sort of this mixture between um i would say off-road and luxury so it's sort of a an off-road luxury package that they've done in all their sort of higher trim vehicles, but it has better suspension. It has much better uh, sort of capabilities, so ingress and egress angle, and it has a very, very cool look to it as well with sort of high, uh, if you look at the sides of it, it has really sort of high uh, side angles and um, um, high pieces as well, uh, which is an awful lot of fun. And and I looked at this vehicle and you've sort of been driving it around uh, the Canyon AT4, and I thought it was a lot of fun to drive so i thought we'd have uh michael farah on from uh, general motors to talk a little bit about the uh, at4 canyon uh first of all uh, michael the 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 at4s have been a bit of a hit for for gmc haven't they uh, the fact that you brought out this sort of very cool off-roady but still quite luxurious trim level package oh totally and nick thanks for having me on again uh at4 has been a huge success kind of for the brand since we launched it about two years ago in uh, 2019, on the 2019 uh, GMC Sierra, and we've made that promise to expand AT4 across. Contrasting with the premiumness of Denali, AT4 is more for that off-road-oriented customer that really wants to get out off the beaten path, and a very premium pack, and I think it's been a great success for for everything really across the GMC lineup. Uh, so the Canyon is, of course, the smallest truck size that uh, General Motors uh, makes. It's also the Colorado, which is the Chevy version of it as well. This is probably the only segment that has seen amazing growth during the pandemic. I think it was 3% above uh, the sales pre-pandemic. And so the small trucks is pretty much where everybody wants to be right now, where most other segments were either flat or down. Small trucks are just hitting it out of the park, aren't they? Uh, totally. And, and while, you know, the, the market segments and overall market uh, love for full-size trucks uh, SUV, full-size SUV, things like that. The growth in the in the midsize uh, pickup truck market and that you know renewed interest uh, for a long time. You know we brought back the the Canyon in, in 2015. Um, since that time, it's been kind of an upward swing, especially with this refreshed 2021 model year. Really, just a, a great lifestyle truck. You can get it. You know, use the truck bed, put it to work, put some stuff in the back. You can put your mountain bikes, your dirt bikes, get out off onto the beaten path, and really live that active lifestyle. And those mid-sized truck customers are traditionally people that live out in the wilderness. They go camping, they go overlanding, and that uh, 
smaller mid-sized pickup is perfect for their lifestyle, the ability to kind of get out, out into the wilderness in such a tighter package, but still with all that capability and that truck DNA that GMC has. One of the things I think that uh, I look at sort of the full-size truck and the mid-size truck and try to measure them against each other, uh, the capability is pretty much the same. It's just the size. Uh, small, of course, the mid-size truck's easier to park. But when you're talking about what can they do, they apart from the load haulage, they can pretty much do the same sort of thing. They can go where each other goes, right? Oh, totally. And especially with things like the E and G80 rear locker that the Canyon has that you know rear locking differential. Same thing we used to have in our uh, in our pickup trucks. Uh, the the ability to have four by four low that low range two case two speed transfer case. I mean it, all that truck DNA is there. All that capability is there. All that design and premium material is all there. Just in a slightly smaller package, which really helps customers kind of park easier. Someone that really doesn't want that really full size pickup truck, their ability to get into a mid size pickup have all the capability, have all uh, the lifestyle needs that they uh, have in a smaller package, a tighter package, and kind of a perfect uh, offering uh, with that mid-side pickup truck. Now, although this is the first ever AT4 Canyon, is this the last uh, AT4 to uh, hit the GMC vehicle lineup? Uh, does every GMC now have an AT4? Or do we still have a couple that may get them or may not? Uh, we have a, a few more. So we, we announced earlier this year uh, in January the Terrain AT4 that will be coming to market as well. Uh, we've had to shift some few things around as the crazy world uh, has happened around us due to the pandemic. But uh, early next year, you'll be uh, excited to see the new Terrain AT4 coming to market uh, very soon. But yes, those are the two uh, two newest entrants would be the uh, Yukon AT4, which we chatted about about a month ago. Yeah. Canyon AT4, as well as the upcoming Terrain AT4. And from there, the entire lineup will have an AT4 AT4 sub-brand and really kind of contrasting with what we have, the great success with Denali. We look forward to having great success with the AT4 package getting out onto the wilderness and offering our customers something new and something unique and traditionally GMC. I really uh, have to tell you that it is my favorite trim level on those GMC vehicles. It doesn't only look great on the outside with a slightly different look, but you've also sort of uh, given the inside a, a very luxurious um, but still utilitarian sort of look and feel where you can uh, look good but still get it kind of messy too. Oh, totally. And with the AT4, kind of uh, the... The interior accents, though, we've been going with the jet black, a jet black interior, but with brandy accents, uh, a jet black and brandy Kalahari, kind of a black and brown finish, which really denotes that unique AT4 interior. And then notice on most of our AT4s, we've got the all-weather mats in the vehicle. Those come usually standard uh, across the lineup because these vehicles are going to get put to work. They have a more aggressive tire package than the traditional uh, stock vehicle, like on the Canyon. Denali on the AT4, you've got the, the mud track tires, uh, premium materials inside premium look and feel outside but really that rugged capability and it's not afraid to get dirty and kind of that goes along with what we do at gmc get it dirty get out get the mud on the on the vehicle get the dirt get the leaves get out into the wilderness hose it off premium beautiful package that you feel really good inside of it's like a first class interior that you're surrounded by but the vehicle is not afraid to get uh, out of its own way and get into the mud what i really like is that's also jen's mantra as well get it dirty uh, the fun the fun <laughs> thing is it comes with a 2.8 diesel uh, engine as well so it doesn't matter what you do and i will tell you 72 percent of americans own dogs this is the absolute perfect vehicle for dog adventures uh, i'm nice enough not to put my five dogs inside of the canyon at force because uh, i don't warrant the person that has to clean out german shepherd hair but i will tell you if you own one of these things you couldn't get a better vehicle to take 
take your dogs out in in the wilderness and have a great adventure. Michael, it's always great to talk to you. The new Canyon 84 is creeping into dealers as we speak. You probably want to go test drive one. Just go look at it online. I think I'm impressed with just looking at pictures of it, but I have driven it all week as well, mm-hmm. and it is delicious. Stand by. Anton Warman's going to be coming up. We're going to talk about what's been going on in Europe with electric cars. We're also going to find out about that new GMC Hummer and see how that was received. Stand by. Here we go. You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. This is our Auto Expert Radio Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask a question, just direct messages at our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Joining us on the phone is Anton Wallman. He's an independent analyst and investor. Uh, you can read the majority of his stuff at The Street and Seeking Alpha. Anton, big news for October car sales. Let's kick it off in Europe with Volkswagen and the ID3. That's right. So the new kid on the block in terms of all electric cars on the European scene first is the long-awaited and much-delayed Volkswagen ID3. You can think of it as a all-electric Volkswagen Golf, except this one is not a conversion away from an existing front-wheel drive, front-engine Volkswagen Golf, but rather this is a uh, pure electric car built as such from scratch with a motor in the rear and the rear wheels drive the car initially so uh, this car started selling in europe around september 10th of this year and it had a partial full month in september but now we're nearing the end of the first full month and the sales results are absolutely staggering when we compare them to its most natural competitor the tesla model 3. Uh, the tesla model 3 is of course a car that sells reasonably well but uh, the Volkswagen ID3, depending on the country at which you, you are looking at the numbers here for October, is outselling it uh, in Spain by 6 to 1. And in uh, Norway and the Netherlands, uh, the numbers are somewhere between 33 to 1 and something like almost 80 to 1. So those are an enormous set of margins in favor of the Volkswagen ID3. So. I would say that's uh, off to a pretty good start for Volkswagen's uh, major play in the pure electric car field. Tesla still valued as uh, the richest car company or or the most valued car company in the world. But if this continues, presumably that's going to be in question. Well, uh, market valuations and actual performance in the marketplace are somewhat divorced and have been for quite some time, Nick. Uh, clearly, Volkswagen sells 10 million cars per year. Tesla sells 500,000. So there's a 20 to 1 difference there just for starters. And Volkswagen is very solidly profitable. In the quarter just reported, the third quarter, Volkswagen Group had just about the same amount of profit in just one quarter as Tesla had in top-line sales, their revenue. So Volkswagen is a dramatically larger company, 20 times larger and now that they are vastly outselling Tesla, where they put their foot to, to the pedal to the metal here uh, in terms of electric cars in their relevant geographies where they are required by law to sell a certain percentage of electric cars. Uh, this will be interesting to watch here in the coming months as it rolls out in the rest of Europe as well as to uh, the U.S. and in China. You may have noticed, by the way, just in the last few days, Volkswagen did commence production of the SUV version of the Volkswagen ID3 called the ID4 in China just happened just the other day, Nick. 
I see that, and uh, I'm looking forward to actually getting to drive one once they hit U.S. soil as a part of the press fleet. GMC have their new Hummer. It was just revealed. We got to uh, talk to the chief designer on today's show and talk a little bit about the design challenges of bringing this vehicle to market. We did avoid talking about the price and also the timeline to bring this vehicle to market because you think that they might be a little bit ambitious in what they're projecting for the future. Yeah, so first of all, I really like uh, what the GMC Hummer looks like and what it purports to be and uh, all of its features. And I think ultimately it'll be proven very successful and a quality vehicle. I'm a little concerned with respect to the timeline because uh, GM has said that the project kicked off at the very beginning of 2019. And what they showed us here uh, just a couple of weeks ago in October here. Um, was really a very early uh, piece of equipment. I mean, this was not even a functioning car. It was more of a pusher. Uh, they showed all of the parts, but it was not really a functioning car. It had a you know, ready-made interior, to be sure, but this was not a drivable car yet. And if you looked at all of the videography, this was all computer-generated, as far as I could see, which means that they also ended up admitting at some point along the way there that they're still working on getting the... Uh, the functioning prototypes on the road here uh, imminently or very soon, but they, but not yet. And you combine that with the fact that they said manufacturing and deliveries would begin by December of next year. We're talking 13 months from now. As you know, Nick, in terms of developing an automobile, you have to spend a very long time in development and testing so as to make sure that uh, durability and quality and reliability uh, can stay up there. And uh, usually GM will take several years to do that. And this timeline just seems to me to be extremely compressed. And that makes me wonder a little bit about uh, whether they will be able to keep it. It's not unusual for these companies to announce vehicles. I can harken back to Rivian announcing their RT1, and that was supposed to be out already by this time, and it looks like it's going to be put back another year. We can say it took the same with a Cybertruck from uh, from Tesla, although they have a, a track record of announcing things and not meeting the goals that they announce in those uh, big press releases. So is, is there any reason to believe that General Motors won't be able to make it, apart from the fact that it's quite ambitious? Well, the timeline just seems way too ambitious. You may remember, Nick, as when it comes to Rivian, when it comes to Tesla, when it comes to Ford and Lordstown Motors and Bollinger, all of what they've shown are at least working prototypes. Right. I mean, the vehicles drove themselves up on stage or performed other circus acts. They, these were not uh, computer-generated renderings and, and videos. So, uh, I, I mean, I, I have a great confidence in GM. I mean, I've been driving a Chevy Volt for 10 years now, the very, very first one that came out, and, and it's absolutely lovely and perfect. And I, I think ultimately they will deliver a quality product, and I really like the Hummer, but the timeline just seems almost Ambitious. impossible. We can it's like Mission Impossible in terms yeah. of the timeline. Here. Yeah, Let, let's talk a little bit about the vehicle. Uh, you know, apart from the timeline, it seems a little bit, uh, you know, sort of ambitious to think that this is going to be uh, a vehicle that's going to sell in masses. Because of course, this is a company that makes most of their money on their on volume rather than uh, just uh, luxury vehicles. They make their their money on selling a large number of things like trucks. Uh, we might sell enough enough of the Hummers to uh, make them some money but they're really going to make a lot of their money back for these electric vehicles if they sell huge volumes of them and priced at around a hundred thousand dollars it's unlikely that they're going to sell a huge amount of these trucks right 
That's right. So really what we're going to be seeing not too far down the road here is a Chevrolet-branded pickup truck and SUV uh, that will essentially share the underpinnings with the GMC Hummer, but will lower the price sort of to seventy-five, $70,000, $65,000 range. And you will also probably see eventually, certainly by the end of 2023, a mid-sized pickup truck more on, along the lines of a Chevy Colorado uh, that will also fit that segment. So all of those things are in development and coming. And the GMC Hummer is really should be viewed as a halo vehicle where they can really milk the market at the very highest price points in order to avoid having to lose all that much money in the first two or so years worth of production. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Europe now. It uh, looks like Volvo setting to bail out Ford in Europe as far as uh, their CO2 emissions are concerned. Europe's been a very difficult place for American automakers. General Motors sold their assets to Peugeot Citroën. Uh, it looks like that there's now going to be a merger between FCA and Peugeot Citroën. Uh, it, it's not been a great place for American car companies to operate because it's a different language there. Well, there's a lot of factors that have gone into that. But at this point in time, the biggest challenge facing all of these companies, and about four or so years ago, GM saw this first by uh, noticing that these uh, very uh, onerous CO2 uh, fines and legislations that were coming down the pike, and they hurried up to offload Opel onto PSA. So what happened here is that Ford, of course, in Europe is very big in uh, vans and all of these panel vans that drive around London and uh, so forth, delivering all sorts of packages. I mean, the, the panel van is more or less the, the pickup truck of Europe in terms of you see the quantity sold. But uh, the problem with them is that in the mix of everything there, uh, they um, emit a lot of CO2, and that set up Ford up for a lot of fines. And before they can start delivering the all-electric version of these vans, which is coming very soon, by the way, uh, they need to find some way to mitigate those fines in the short term. And uh, it turns out what they've done is that they've partnered up with Volvo. Volvo, amazingly, may very well be the first company outside of Tesla to really have an excess number of these credits available for the European market. So unlike FCA that had to pay uh, almost $2 billion to Tesla here over a three- to four-year period, uh, to buy credit Volvo and it's probably a smaller amount that they're talking about but nevertheless a significant milestone I should have probably made it quite clear that what I meant by a different language was it's a different platform of business operations because CO2 is much more important in Europe and that's what I uh, meant by that just clarifying that as well it's always good to talk to you Anton you give us a great picture of what's going on around the world as far as electric vehicles are concerned Anton Wallman is an independent analyst and investor you can always read his stuff at Seeking Alpha or The Street he has a great insight to what is happening in the rest of Europe. And of course, what happens in Europe tends to trickle down to the United States. It might be a number of months, it might be a number of years, but it's also a good projection of what American car companies are doing in Europe. And of course, where autonomous vehicles are in Europe, they tend to lead to what happens to autonomous vehicles in the United States. And he also takes a look at what happens to Japanese companies as well. It's good to catch up with you, Anton, as it is every week. And of course, I will keep abreast of all of your writings over over the next week or so. If you've been following the show, we've been talking mostly about General Motors vehicles
vehicles this week. We talked about the brand new electric Hummer. That vehicle uh, was just announced this week. Uh, we're expecting to see other vehicles in that lineup come in the next few years or so. Uh, not necessarily branded as an electric Hummer. There is the brand new Escalade. We talked about that. They've just got a million now subscribers with Wi-Fi at uh, General Motors, which is a great milestone for them. Uh, we talked about the AT4 standby. We're going to also be talking about the brand new Chevrolet Corvette. Well, not that new, but Mike Cordell's been driving one and he's going to bring us up to date on how it actually drives. We've read it, we've seen it, and now we'll find out how it drives. Stand by. That's next on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, our auto expert radio show. Play the entire collection. All the previous episodes of the podcast are available. Hours of endless fun for you and the entire family. I'm Nick Miles. Our auto expert radio show is where 2 million Americans get you their automotive news daily. What has 495 horsepower, 470 pounds-feet of torque, goes 0 to 60 in 2.9 seconds, and has a top speed of 194 miles an hour? It's Mike Cuddell when he's sitting in a brand new <laughs> Chevrolet Corvette. How are you, Mike? Well, you just saw all my lives. <laughs> I did. Horsepower, 6.2 liter V8. Everything that you can expect in a, in a high-performance car you get with that Corvette. And yes, I go as fast as that car. 2.9 seconds, as a good friend of mine in the auto industry likes to say. Faster than the time it takes you to put on your seat. Who says that? Oh, that would be me. <laughs> um, but I have a sort of parallel question for you to start off with. Are you ruining your son? Yes. Yeah, because you absolutely you're, without you, question. So, how old is Tyler? Like thir- thirteen. 13. Tyler is thirteen years old. So you have a thirteen-year-old son, and his dad brings home supercars, which you would normally only see on a poster on your bedroom wall, and you're basically ruining him. And all his classmates must be so jealous. He's ruined it. And- that's such a great transition into the C8. So, if, and I'm not going to use a brand name because then that, that company would be like throwing darts at me. But, you know, there's two lines in school when you drop your kids off or pick them up. There's, there's the right line and there's the left line. The right line at school when you drop your kids off is like right on the curb where everybody's standing. And so Tyler's like, Dad, so when you pick up and drop off today, right side, right <laughs> side. And so I took this, it's a stingray, so I took the tops off and I pulled it. And it, you could hear the whispering of the kids, like, whose dad is that? Whose dad is that? And Tyler just, he struts over and he like opens the door, hands me his backpack, gets in the Corvette and, and off we go. And I, I, so I got to tell you guys, so I had the Corvette and, and I had a really cool opportunity with it. So most cars, you know, I get here in Nashville, I drive it for a week, I provide reviews, thoughts, and, and I get a good experience in the car. But on this rare occasion, I had to go up to Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the uh, for the, the race up there, and um, you know the IndyCar race, and and so I got a chance to go up there. And you know, with coronavirus, you gotta you gotta have your temperature checked every day. You gotta get a specific credential, then another credential to get in the paddock, and another credential to get specific parking. And the Corvette. It's literally a get out of jail free card. It's the, I just drove right up and I like, come on in, sir. You must be Jeff Gordon. You must be Jimmy Johnson. You must be Paul Tracy. You must be Juan Pablo Montoya. Like they just let me go. I pulled all the way to the front every single day because of the car. Nobody stopped me. And that's what's amazing about the Corvette with a 
$62,000. i am not going to stop. $62,000 starting price. It's amazing. Did you have to oil the inside of the car to get your head out? <laughs> no, I had to oil my whole body to get out. Of the car. It's a tight, it's a, it's a, well, I'm also, you know, so it's 6'3, uh, plenty, plenty of room in that uh, to, to drive. And for those that, that are not familiar with the Corvette C8, Google Corvette C8 interior. It's like a spider cockpit. All the buttons are they're up high on the center console, and the center console is, is like almost. It's almost horizontal and, and it's up about a foot. So it like it like runs next to your shoulder, and it's just such an it's an amazing car. And, and I'm just going to be honest with all the listeners. Like I don't think I've ever been in a position to consider a Corvette. Like I I would go yeah I'll take a, I'll do a GT500 Mustang, and then this car comes around. It's mid engine right, and and there's a visceral emotional attachment you have to the Corvette C8. And it's something that I would I would say, well, it does not compete with anything in the U.S. It competes with Ferrari. It competes with Lamborghini in certain capacities, and it comes with a $62,000 starting price. I had people following me on the freeway. It's that amazing. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I might argue something with you, too. I don't think it does compete with Ferrari, and don't think it does compete with Lamborghini because of the price. And, and if, you, right. if you really want to argue this, uh, I can argue that with anybody. I think you can say that a well-equipped one that I would be happy with and you would probably be happy with would be one around mid-'80s. Um, the $62,000 one is great, but the mid '80s is the one that really makes my heart sing. Once you get into the sort of the the higher trim levels, um, I would rather spend eighty five thousand dollars on one of these than I would two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a Ferrari. I really would because yeah. And so, so that's the best point, right? If we're not arguing on it. We're in agreement on yeah. it. Yeah. You know, with the price being the differentiation point, the one that I had as Tesla's was eighty two nine nine nine. And that's 6.2 liter, 495 horsepower, beautiful, supple, baseball, glove leather interior. And it had everything that I could possibly want in a car. The upgraded wheels, tires, stingray, removable top. Like, it is just a phenomenal vehicle in every capacity, in every context. I think one of the things that is really hard for people to imagine, but uh, and you, you sort of mentioned it there, I have been in many cars where they talk about the cockpit is angled towards the driver. I've never seen screens that really sort of are so angled towards the driver. The center screen is, is about 20, 30 degrees towards the driver, and then all the center console wraps in a sort of semicircle around the driver and all the buttons go in that circle. And so although the passenger feels kind of separated, it really does feel like it's a driver only position up front. You know what, Nick, I've, I've never heard anybody describe it as a driving circle. And I would agree with you a hundred percent. That's exactly the feeling that you have when you're behind the wheel of that vehicle is that every, the, the, the car is like paying attention to you. Whereas you're usually paying attention to the car. Yeah. And what a great, what a great way to describe the Corvette C8 is that it is a driver focused vehicle and that's what you get with it. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, mostly people don't pay any attention to me. So I'm much more happy when the car pays attention to me. It's much nicer. So, uh, would you buy one? That's the question, Mike. Yes. 
Absolutely, hundred percent. I would buy one, and I, I that is, you know, I, I there's no question. If I had the extra change to to put towards a car, I would buy that vehicle, uh, and that would be the, the vehicle that Flora and I would would be going out to incredible dinners and, and, and enjoy. Well, well the, the big on overnight trips. The bigger question is, will Flora let you buy one? <laughs> no, because we've we've already got a Bronco on order. <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> like, say look, no. She's like, look. <laughs> the ultimate test is: yeah. Would you trade the Ducati for it? Yes. Wait. Oh, if if you, you could go. get if you could get eighty five thousand for the Ducati, which I don't think you well, could. but it'd be a good down payment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what you have to know about my wife is that she she is is a hundred percent. I like to go shopping and do like that kind of stuff, that girly stuff, right? But you know, I took her out dirt bike riding, and I'm like, all right. So do you want to get a side by side? Cool. I'm on my own dirt bike, right? <laughs> so she 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 likes. You know, it's the first time since we've been married, you know, I I buy a car kind of what I want. She buys a car kind of what she wants. And this is kind of the first time where... It, it's a win, Mike. It's the Bronco. Yeah, it's. I know that. It's. Oh, she's getting that. The Bronco's hers. Right. It's a win for both of you. All right. Our Auto Expert. Check us out online. OurAutoExpert.com. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Find all the show episodes at OurAutoExpert.com. Please follow us on all social media Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response.